comics are considered to be one of the few actual American developed art forms. And there's, you can argue origins and such like that, but uh, a lot of the comic book uh, specialists feel that comic books and jazz music are two of the original forms of, of art created in, in the United States. So we try to, you know, we, we take that as a little bit of a pride. That was John Cohen, owner of Beyond Comics. Like bookstores, comic book stores are looking at new ways to find revenue. The popularity of Marvel Studios movies like Endgame and the less successful DC ones would seem like it would translate into more sales, but that's not always the case. Business reporter Erica Riley decided to look into business trends for comic book stores here in the county. She spoke with Cohen and the owner of Brainstorm Comics about the different trends that they are seeing with their own stores. For Riley, it was a story that was a bit personal. Her parents are comic book store owners in New York. My name is Erica Riley. I am the business reporter. So I decided to write this story um, partially from a personal standpoint because my parents have owned a comic book shop in New York for 27 years now. So I kind of grew up with it, but admittedly don't know a ton about the industry. Um, and I was really interested when I moved to Frederick to see that there were still two shops here, both of which had two locations, which um, is pretty rare for one town or even one county nowadays. So I really wanted to talk to the owners and kind of find out what they thought about the industry. Um, and at the beginning of the new year, kind of check in and to see what they were doing, you know, in the future and coming off such a big year for like superhero movies and everything to see how that did or did not affect their business. My name is John Frazier. I'm co-owner of Brainstorm Comics and Gaming. Uh, I've, co- I've co-owned the store for the last five years, but the store has been in business and served Frederick for the last 35 years. Um, we sell comics, we sell board games, we sell card games, pretty much anything you kind of like in that sort of genre. Well, my name is John Cohen. Uh, I own Beyond Comics. We're a store on Buckystown Pike in Frederick. We have a store in Gaithersburg. Uh, I've been in the comic industry for 38 years. We opened our first personal store that I owned in 96 and the one here in Frederick about 14 years ago. And so what did you find out about the industry here in Frederick? So for the most part, the owners seemed fairly confident that they, you know, they had their regulars. Um, but, um, well, one of the owners, uh, John Frazier, who owns brainstorm um, they just expanded to a second location in walkersville and he said there's a pretty big market for back issues which are older comics um so they could be up to like 50 years old depending on where you go and where you're buying them from but um they definitely said that there is a decline in you know like i mean i mean bookstores kind of have the same problem where less people are buying that medium and um john cohen who owns beyond comics kind of said it um, in an interesting way that he's operating in kind of like the discretionary income category where like you have to really want this form of entertainment to ever go into his shop. So um, it's kind of an interesting like place to be. But um, they both said that people have come in from the movies because they've been more interested because it's so in the mainstream now. We feel that comics, it's Catch-22. Movies and television shows help broaden an audience that would have interest for a product. So if you're not familiar with a character, a superhero, Guardians of the Galaxy being a great uh, proving point that 
most people had never heard of The Guardians when that movie came out. It's a great movie. It's fun. It's well-written, well-directed. So it helped get people into a characters they weren't familiar with. That didn't translate into comic book sales because the characters in the movie are not the same in the comic. The tone is different. So as a comic store uh, in, in this industry, you can't sit there and say, hey, read these Guardians. They're going to come and go, this is, isn't what I saw on TV. So it makes it harder to, to acquire that audience. You see an Avengers movie, there's a thousand Avengers books. None of them are the movie. There's reference stuff similar to what the movie's based on, things like that, that, that get a bump in sales. Uh, and then everyone moves on. Um, the two kind of had different, I guess, approaches maybe to how they would get people into comics from that. Um, but, like, definitely both seemed like they would are willing to work with people who don't really know anything about comics but have, you know, seen the Avengers movies, you know, so... In, in in reporting the story, what did you find different or interesting that you might not have expected? I was definitely interested in how how big these stores were and like how much inventory and stock they had and how big um, their communities were around gaming, especially. Um, a lot of stores have kind of actually, from my experience, from what I knew of my um, family store and other people in New York, um, a lot of them have cut back on gaming because it's not always... Um, seen as like a revenue stream because if you come into play for free you might not um it might not seem worth it quote unquote <laughs> but um they were really big on gaming and have game nights pretty much every night of the weekend and in some cases every night of the week um and we're pretty um confident that that building a community and you know you're coming in more than you're buying more and you have kind of a more of a loyalty to the store so the gaming side like people can come in and play games we don't charge anything for the for the tables we have specific nights where we do like dnd uh dungeons and dragons we do um warhammer which is a miniatures game we do magic the gathering we're ready to do pokemon and then on the retail side we have, we have like eighty thousand comics so people can come start, start looking for the older comics to kind of fill in their collections um but the gaming side, uh, that was one of our goals with the second location was to have that kind of square footage so people can come in and play. So I was like, happy to hear that because I thought that was really cool that they've like stayed with gaming and I'm going to kind of use that as a way to kind of make it more social too instead of a solitary thing like reading would be. And, you know, talking with them, did you learn anything more about comics or how people are using comics nowadays? Um, I was definitely... Uh, interested in the fact that they both said that kids' comics are so much more popular now. Depending upon your age group and what you like, there are top sellers. Uh, Raina Talgemeyer does the Sisters and Smile and her new book, Guts. If you're a, a teenage girl at 14 or below, that is like, you've already probably read it, but that's our target. Uh, Dogman will hit that younger male audience, uh, crossover some of the females. That's your intro books. Um, they think that there's kind of like a middle, like younger people aren't really as expected to read comics as like some older people maybe grew up with them might be. But it actually seems like more young people are getting into it now because there are comic books directed towards uh, kids. And um, I was kind of surprised to hear that. I mean, I knew that there were comics for kids and I, I mean, I've read them, but I didn't really know how big they were. And then after I talked to them about it, I went and looked it up and realized these comics were selling like millions and millions of copies. And I just didn't know that. So that was really cool. And so are you someone who grew up reading comics as well? Yes, I grew up reading Archie for the most part and um, some other comics, mainly actually ones that were for 
a younger audience and then um i actually have never read a superhero comic really besides like miss marvel <laughs> but um i definitely grew up reading um more realistic fiction kind of stuff so all right perfect and so for you you know what is talking with these owners what does this tell you about the industry um definitely that it's in a point of transition comic books are constantly fighting every other retailer uh anytime any mass market uh company or big box store sees dollars they try to cut their deals to get their you know hands into the pie and the last couple of years with the mega ownerships changing on the biggest comic book companies uh, it's become more of a, a dollars uh, and value sales pitch than quality of the product. Not to say there isn't wonderful comics out there, but when you're dealing with uh, right now, it's, it is literally cutthroat uh, between the companies trying to get every dime out of every person they can get, which makes it harder for a retailer because we want to sell the stuff you want as a consumer, but also introduce you to stuff you aren't familiar with and say, look, here's another great comic. Why don't you read this? Uh, so that that part of the industry makes it really tough. I definitely feel like I came away feeling like it's it, it still has the potential to grow, and um, it, it is just in a transitional phase right now, it seems. And there's something to be said about shopping local. Do you find that, did they talk a little bit about just the sense of loyalty to a store or this movement to shop more local? Yeah, they both talked about how you know, you can't, um, John Fraser put it, that you can't, you know, play D&D at Amazon. You know, Amazon's just somewhere you go to buy things cheap. But um, there's, by creating a community around it, you kind of build a loyalty to the store. And also it's kind of, you know, you actually get to go into the store and you get it that day, whereas ordering it online, you wouldn't. Um, and both said that there's kind of, it's nice to be in Frederick because Frederick has a really big shop local feel and both like the downtown Frederick partnership and the chamber of commerce kind of like really drive that home. So they both said they were really thankful for that, especially John Cohen, who also owns the store in Gaithersburg said that it's um, like Frederick is really refreshing in that sense. What do you think about more the popularity of people being, you know, proud and wearing superhero shirts or reading comics or going to the Marvel movies? I mean, clearly the Marvel movies yeah, quite popular with the amount of money that they bring into the box office. So how has that changed comics? I think it's definitely a good, like, they both said there's a good gateway. It's funny. I, I know a lot of the guys who come in the comic book shop, uh, um, like, they hated Big Bang Theory because they felt like it played the stereotypes and stuff. I think that that helped bridge the gap a little bit. I think it made people more relatable. Like, oh, well, you know, I know a person like this or, you know, Star Wars is definitely more and more popular seeing the movies again. There's just a lot of TV shows that are kind of like breaking down barriers. I describe every American as being OCD. So we're all Sheldon in our own way, uh, which is sort of the bent I get. Uh, when I was a kid and I was in high school, if I wore a Superman shirt and I walked around reading comics, uh, I'd be lucky not to put in a trash can or locked up in my locker or worse. Now the football players are wearing Superman T-shirts. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're... It, the culture has changed dramatically. So over my lifetime, it's been a huge growth market. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that your school teachers and your librarians and media specialists have all understood that reading is the ultimate end of what a comic book can offer. So most of your kids that read comics have 
accelerated, re- accelerated reading skills and cognizance that moves up a little bit because you're getting uh, words and pictures to explain knowledge. So they know that. They've known that for 20 years. So the kids are growing up, I think, with better recognition and therefore better knowledge of what a comic book is. So I think an acceptance has occurred, a broader audience. We still get our centralized fan bases and things like that, and there's still marketing to that. But I think if you try to focus as that as a consumer base that you're going to sell to, that's still a smaller base. We don't, I, I don't differentiate that, if that makes sense. In our store, you want to walk in and everybody's welcome. And I think more people are getting into comics because there's also um, so much more diverse comics now, too. Um, like, I know some of my friends who have never read a comic book before, but once I told them, like, oh, Miss Marvel's about a Muslim girl living in Jersey City, they were like, okay, I'll buy that. Or um, more, like, female-driven comics. Like, people are definitely getting more into that now, and I think it's a good opportunity for comic book shops as well. Well, as always, you can read any of Erica's work on com. Erica, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. We're going to switch from comics to food and have uh, education and food reporter Katrina Pereira join us now to talk a little bit about her latest food review. All right, Katrina, so where did you go to eat this week? This week, I went all the way to Brunswick and tried the Potomac Street Grill. I like how you say all the way to Brunswick as if it's not just <laughs> 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> Listen, it's a little far, okay? <laughs> I go there twice a, year, a month. That's like, true. It's not that far. It's true. <laughs> okay, well, so Potomac Street Grill, tell me what do they serve? So they are a combination of kind of like American diner and Middle Eastern food. So definitely a different combo than you would find at like a normal restaurant, but um, pretty good. And the name doesn't give that away at all. Not at all. No. So what did you think? Um, I thought it was really great. Um, For me, the food was really like comforting and homey. Like that was what I kept thinking every time I was eating there. Um, And even like the atmosphere inside, it's like a really small space, but it's cozy. The staff is so friendly and it just kind of gives you like your neighborhood like restaurant feel. Perfect. Well, so what are some of the things that you tried? So I tried um, most of their Middle Eastern dishes because the owners are actually a Syrian couple. Um, So I wanted to kind of focus on that side of the menu. So I tried everything from their falafel to their chicken kebab platter to their gyro. Um, Anything with like a Middle Eastern flair, I pretty much tried. All right. So what was the best? The best was definitely their mujadara. Um, So mujadara is not a dish that many people know about, um, but it's essentially like a mixture of lentils cooked with caramelized onions. So it kind of gives you this like savory, sweet flavor. Um, there's a lot of spices in there, and um, at Potomac Street Grill, it's on their appetizer um, on their appetizer uh, list, and it was definitely one of the best things I had. All right, perfect. So you mentioned you try like falafel and a gyro. What kind? What kind of what was it like? <laughs> Did it taste good? Yeah, everything was pretty good. Um, I would say that I feel like most of the items on their menu people may have tried before at like a Greek restaurant because Greek food and Middle Eastern food tend to be kind of similar. Um, but everything at Potomac Street Grill had a very distinct Middle Eastern flavor. So their gyro you know, it has maybe a little bit of a different seasoning combination than something that you would get at a Greek place. Um, their spanakopita was incredible. 
Um, I mean, juicy, like so warm and crispy. And it's different than Greek Spinocopita. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit smaller. It's not as many layers. and But it was very good. So, you know, good all around, just different. And kind of unusual. And it's not like you can find Middle Eastern food just anywhere. Right. It's pretty hard to find. Um, so is this a place that you would definitely make the long, long 20-minute trip back to Brunswick for? <laughs> okay, I guess it's not that long. Um, but yes, definitely. And and the owners and the waitstaff, like I said, are just incredibly friendly and so welcoming. Well, it's, it's good because, I, I mean, we don't talk about this too much during your food reviews, but I, I happen to know a lot about Brunswick just from covering it, and they do suffer a little bit of from lack of foot traffic and mm-hmm. lack of business. So it's nice to hear that they have a restaurant that's worth going down for. Absolutely. Definitely. And all right, so for the people who make the trip down or the people who live in Brunswick and are looking for a place to eat, what is your first um, piece of advice for what they should order? Order the Mujadara. <laughs> I know it sounds maybe a little scary and something that people have probably never tried before, but I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. All right, perfect. So anything that you would advise not to order? Hmm. Um, no, everything I tried was pretty great. Um, you know, maybe just like a few things um you know from like a really food critic-y person's perspective that you know maybe could use some improvement but there was nothing that i tried that i didn't like all right perfect so if you're looking for middle eastern food brunswick of all places is the place to go (laughs) that was my thoughts exactly yes brunswick is the place perfect well anything else we need to know no that's it all right perfect well thank you so much thank you all right alan let's just get the first news of the week out of the way i hear you're a happy fan <laughs> yeah, um I'm pretty I feel pretty good. Um you know, we the so I'm a 49ers fan for those who don't listen to the sports podcast but listen to this one. Uh and the 49ers beat the Minnesota Vikings on Saturday in the playoffs. So they're going on to the NFC Championship where they'll play the Packers. Um so it's kind of a little bit of a hell week between me and Jeremy Arias who's a Packers fan. He's our uh cops and courts reporter uh, for those who don't know. Um so yeah, we're probably not going to be friends this week. So, yeah. And the rest of the office, excluding some people like me, um, are, are suffering from yeah, a, everybody a else devastating is heartbroken. loss. Right. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan, so I wasn't too heartbroken. Yeah. I'm kind of a Titans fan right now, jumping on that. Like, if they're going to beat my team, might as well beat, go all the way. Um, but They look like they might be able to. Um, yeah, we have a couple Patriots fans in the office. I, I mean, uh, our editor, Paul Milton, is a is a. Ravens fan, but I don't know if any other. I think Ravens Mallory fans. over at seventy two hours is one. Um, we have two Eagles fans. Two Eagles fans. So they were heartbroken pretty yeah. early too. So, but I, I do know it was kind of a devastating blow to the Ravens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think everybody kind of viewed them as the Super Bowl favorite, and you know, I know we were kind of initially starting to make plans for what we would do should they win the Super Bowl in terms of how we'd lay that paper out and things like that. Um, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. So uh, you heard it from here was, first, was guys. We're the reason that the Ravens did not go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> we are planning we, ahead. We're trying to plan ahead, right? That's why you don't do that. <laughs> All right. So to go back to uh, the news um, side of the uh, week, anything that we should be looking forward to this week? Big news of the day is uh, County Executive Jan Gardner um, announced her appointment, her pick for the uh, vacancy on the Board of Education. The uh, vacancy was left by former board vice president Joy Schaefer, who'd been in since 2012. Um, Joy took a position in the county executive's office, and so that left the vacancy, uh, which was kind of uh, 
filled through this, uh, what I feel like was a pretty lengthy process, a uh, pretty good uh, transparent process as well where people could apply, um, and then their resumes were voted on by the county council, um, and then uh, narrowed down to three, and then the county executive picked uh, from the three county council picks, and then the county council will confirm it. But to get to the actual news, her uh, her pick is Ray Gallagher. Uh, so Ray is a uh, first and foremost Frederick County parent. Uh, she has a student, a child in FCPS schools. Um, she's worked for the uh, Center for Supportive Schools. I want to check and make sure I got that right. Yeah, uh, the Center for Supportive Schools. That's a nonprofit organization that. Um, works with works with different schools to help them boost achievement so in the in the uh, days of park and and state mandated testing uh, which isn't park anymore but it's essentially the same test uh but in those days uh in these in these times where state mandated testing is is so important i I imagine she'll uh, have quite a bit of expertise to offer to the board of education in that way um she was picked actually over uh, ron pepe who's a former board of education member who had served um, about a decade ago, and an FCC professor, um, Sue Johnson. Uh, Sue was uh, pretty highly thought of by her students and, and was a, a good candidate as well. Um, so it was, a, a, I think, seemed like a pretty tough choice. Um, and County Executive uh, mentioned um, Ray's uh, commitment to students as a big reason for why she, she picked her. And um, during her interviews with the County Council, uh, where she sat down with them and, and answered an array of questions. Um, one of the big, one of her big points was to um, continue establishing competitive pay for teachers in Frederick County, which has been a big point of emphasis for the district for the last five or six years. Um, so, as we all know, they're kind of in that fourth year of the pay scale transition. So, there's this base of competitive pay now, and and where do we go from here? And, and Ray had a lot of thoughtful responses to to that as well. So yeah, that's the that's the big story of the day, and, and we'll move on to some other ones. Also at the county level, there's a lot of things happening at the county level this week. Uh, the uh, binding arbitration work group, so for those who don't know, uh, Question D, which was put forward by the Firefighters Union, uh, passed in November 2018 during the election, uh, which gives them more uh, kind of uh, negotiating powers in, in terms of what they're able to negotiate. So this, uh, this allows um, the Firefighters Union to negotiate... Um, uh, working conditions essentially it, it kind of adds in things that are just more than wages and um, so they're able to negotiate that and then it has to be funded in the budget so this is the work group uh, that'll be meeting I believe it's tomorrow uh, about that type of thing and where they go from here it's the first meeting they just put it together the uh, excuse me the bill was just put forward just announced last week uh, by Jessica Fitzwater who's been working on it Pretty much since even before the election, she had a bill she was going to drop before the election um, that would have gone to a charter amendment, and she chose not to and allowed the firefighters union to drop their bill, which was a little bit more extensive than hers, um, and so that's why she didn't drop it. But uh, she's been involved with this from the very beginning, working really hard on it, so um, we're kind of seeing that come to fruition uh, this week. Um, and then the other th- the other story I think I'm th- – this is the most interesting story I'm I'm interested in reading. Uh, it's not my section, but 72 Hours this week has a story about uh, Maria Peck, who owns Tiara Day Shop on uh, North Market Street. And uh, she essentially collects doll heads and mannequins and, and seems to dress them up. And the photos are really going to tell the story on this one. I'm not really sure you need to see anything else. But it is one of those uh, 
Yeah, I think downtown Frederick is such an interesting place because they have so many kind of eclectic shops. There's literally a shop called Eclectables, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they have so many like shops that just sell different things, and they're like it's a little quirky here, and the small businesses are very niche and things like that. Uh, this is about the most eclectic thing I've seen in downtown Frederick, uh, which is pretty impressive. So I'm really looking forward to reading the story and um, just finding out a little bit about you know the motivations of somebody to, to kind of own a shop like this and, and why you'd want to do that. I think you know some people might be a little put off by a shop like this, and other people might find it super interesting. I'm kind of in that second group. I think most people would be in that second group, but I know there's going to be some people who are in the first one too. Well, I'm seeing some of the photos in your hands, and it's quite—it is quite the uh, the shop. <laughs> I mean, just to even like just browse. Like, I love going down yeah, to like downtown right. Frederick because you don't. I mean, you're supposed to, you go in there to shop, but it's also sometimes just fun to like go around. Just window and, shop, yeah. yeah. And, I don't think I'd ever buy a single thing from that store. Don't get me wrong. But um, I would certainly spend some time in it. I think yeah. that would be really fun. <laughs> Perfect. Anything else we should know about? Uh, well, other than, you know, I, I, we mentioned the Board of Ed, Ed candidacy that's going to be announced the appointment. The um, the, count, the county council will have to affirm that appointment. Um, that would also come at their next meeting, I believe. Um, so we're going to wait to see that they would affirm it. But we would all kind of assume that they that they would. All right, perfect. Well, as always, all the stuff in our news section, 72 hours, and even the sports section can be found at fredericknewspost.com. All right, Alan, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.